Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. I am joined here by my dear friend and colleague, author of the Seahawks blog, Twelfth Life, husband, father, all-around renaissance man, Chris Eastwood. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. All right. This is this is Curtis's brainchild. Uh, uh, Curtis and I uh, uh, annoyed all our friends on social media during Seahawks season, <laughs> and we figured we would annoy the public at large. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, we have uh, uh, the only person who could herd these cats and Curtis's ADHD producer, Lana. <laughs> Happy to be here. All right. And last but not least, the fantasy football maven and uh, what is it? Five-time fantasy football champion, Millie Meckler. <laughs> sure, sure. Hey, how's yeah. it going? Good. Yeah. Am I right or am I just making that up? You know, I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure it's five overall amongst various Yeah, leagues, I so mean, listen, I, I, I'll make up statistics. That you works know. for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because, look. Sports Look, the Mariners have been. It's about emotion, right? That's, a, that's what everybody says, right? I, I, I feel like you're a five time fo- fantasy football champion. All right, let us get to it. The Seahawks, tumultuous offseason, lots of drama, probably at, at, definitely the busiest offseason in the Pete Carroll era. This may be the most tumultuous off-season Seahawks history. So we had the Russell Wilson drama, you know, wasn't happy with his O-line. Is he getting traded? Uh, we had a bunch of uh, people wanting new contracts, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs and Dwayne Brown and got a new offensive coordinator coming in. Is Pete Carroll too old? Like what's going on? Waiting the entire off-season to get to this point So we got Shane Waldron calling some new plays. We got Russell Wilson in a new offense. And they come out and they clobbered the Indianapolis Colts 28 to 16. And that was a a game that wasn't even uh, as close as the score uh, uh, gives. So, Curtis, what did you see in this game? What did you like? Uh, well, the offense was obvious. It was kind of what I was expecting. I, I thought that, um, I thought that they'd start the season rolling. Uh, I thought that they dialed back the whole Shane Waldron offense in the preseason games. And once we got the starters in with Russell, it clicked right off the bat. That didn't surprise me. It was fun to watch. What really surprised me was the pass rush with the defense, uh, particularly rushing with four. And they rotated in five edge rushers. Um, And my God, Rasheem uh, Green. Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green. uh, He came out like a demon. Like the the broadcasters kept saying, you know, right before that game, uh, Jamal Adams was saying Rasheem Green was like the guy to watch. You know, he was a guy who was having uh, an amazing uh, offseason. Yeah. And and here he comes. Uh, I mean, he might be the new star of that defense. Mm. Um, What impressed me, I I, I shouldn't say impressed me, it surprised me, is – these new looks on the defensive line of like lining up five guys, like mm-hmm. five guys right on that line. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Pete Carroll was asked about it in one of his, uh, um, on in his presser. And he was kind of joking about it. He's playing a little coy. Uh, uh, oh, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe that was a mistake in substitutions, but I think this is a, this is a cool new wrinkle that they're adding into that defense. And it's obviously working. I mean, we harassed that quarterback all game long. Uh, Alana, um, uh, getting onto that, how much of the team's success going forward is going to be about uh, the defense, or is it really going to be about Russell Wilson's command of that offense and, and him cooking like he was? So uh, the success of, uh, of the season going forward. Yeah, I, I think the, the main thing that this game told me is that we've got a stacked D line. 
and our safeties are unbelievable. Uh, that Jamal Adams play where he dove over when, when Wentz fumbled the ball was like one of my favorite moments of the game. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that the, the season lives and dies on, on the offense. Um, but with that being said, there are five stars on the offense, offense not named Russell Wilson. And Shane Waldron's offense is there to make sure uh, that they're, they're getting their time. You've got Tyler Lockett, uh, he of the 69-yard bomb. You've got DK Metcalf with the blue hair. You've got uh, Gerald Everett, who showed up and just caught that first tight end screen. And it was beautiful mm-hmm. to watch that type of play in mm-hmm. this offense. You've got Chris Carson running for, I think, 91 yards. And on only like through. 16 carries, it was, I, it was right, averaging absolutely. like 5.5 yards. Yeah, and it was like I was expecting to see kind of Russ cooking, and then there's Carson just like picking up the picking up the hard yards uh, and just going for it. And they had that 33 yard run. And then for me, Will Disley and that stiff arm that <laughs> just sit down. Thank you. I am moving. It was, along, it was like reflections of Gronk. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was beautiful. And yeah. so, like those five, I mean, like all of them are studs and Russell Wilson just gets to play with them. How do you stop an offense with those people? And I also have to call out the best punter in the game, Michael Dixon, because that fucked up punt, that, that blown up punt that, that, that he was just able to like fire off, off when he's like, yards. yeah, in the grasp, like that, that's that was a momentum killer for the Colts. They had driven on us. If they would have stopped them there, they would have had the ball on our 40. Yeah. Um, and with a chance to just put in another touchdown, it would have been a totally yeah. different game. He yeah. like unbelievable punter. Just and, and not only not only that play, but it all all game mm-hmm. long, he was dropping them inside the 20. Uh I mean, he's kind of an X factor uh on that team. Absolutely. Um yeah. Uh, Millie, uh, what did you like best from what you saw uh, from this new look offense, what the kind of stuff Shane Waldron was calling out there? Well, I just love to watch my Tyler Lockett, my pocket Lockett, do what he does. (laughs) And um, But I have to say, to some extent, that's just an extension of what was going on last year. But maybe with this new offense, he's freed up more for it. You know, I – yeah saw a great little clip of him and Russell talking about that catch and and he was like it's just like we said we'd do it it's just like we said we'd do it and so you yeah know yeah that, that these, Willie Mays that Willie Mays catch in the end that that first you know, one yeah these designed plays uh and the trust and it goes back to if I still feel like if Russell can just stay a little calm and trusting with those receivers um, and not try to make everything happen himself, which I'm hoping is what's going to happen with this offense, then you're going to see a lot of those. And he can yeah. spread it around. You know, yeah. the only um, the only concern I have, which is always the concern you have, is, is uh, everybody staying healthy. Saw more injuries than I would have liked to have seen in the first game of the season, especially, um, you know, taking out uh, Eskridge and Penny. Mm-hmm. And, we yeah. can't have that happen every week, but those receivers just look fantastic. And you're right. Um, Carson just did what he does and he gets those, those little bursts here and there. And that's all you need. I, I, I mean, the thing I, I was, I was really digging about um, some of Waldron's play calling. And I mean, this goes to just the uh, amount of weapons that Russell Wilson has to play with this season. But, you know, the first half was all about, uh, Tyler Lockett and, you know, getting him behind the receivers and, you know, hitting these little slants and stuff like that. And they kind of took that away a little bit in the third quarter. And then it was like, all right, well, we'll dial up DK Metcalf and have him sit in these soft zones and we'll start throwing it to him for like 18, 22 yards. Uh, you know, uh, even in the, in the first half, it was like the Tyler Lockett show. And then the next drive, it was like, uh, no, this is going to be the one where we just toss it to the tight ends on the, the sidelines, uh, you know, and the, which is the, the thing that the Rams kill us with, uh, you know, every game is those, you know, tight end uh, throws uh, right over the line of scrimmage. I, I thought this uh, game was a Pete Carroll wet dream. This is yeah. like, 
a new look team, right? Both on offense and defense, like new schemes. But this is very reminiscent of that 2013 um, Seahawks because we're killing them with the pass rush and we're beating them with an efficient uh, quarterback play and uh, running it down their throats. I mean, Russ was cooking, but this was still, there were more runs than passes. Uh, and Russell was doing what Russell was does best, which is just uh, uh, manage the game and then take five deep shots. And that doesn't mean he's a game manager. That just means that's his best style of play. Yeah. Uh, Curtis, what's your take on that? Well, my, I take it was interesting because you brought up like, this was like a Pete Carroll, wet dream <laughs> style of game. Uh, I, 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 they, they played a style of defense, particularly that was more Pete Carroll, USC Trojans uh-huh. style mm-hmm. defense than LOB and what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah. They, they did the varied, you know, bare front mixed with nickel and all that sort of stuff, but really they rushed with four. Yeah. And instead of playing single high safety, they played too deep. They started, they, they initially were sending, you know, Jamal Adams and other players on blitzes and, you know, and, and the Colts were picking up on that. Yeah. They were now, getting beat on that. Right. Frank Reich was anticipating that that's what Seattle was going to do on defense. And then they pulled back. Yeah. But they play. they made the, they made the, the safeties play, um, you know, half the field deep. Yeah. And it, and, and, and by not going into all the bells and whistles of what cover two defense is, but to do cover two defense competently, you have to be able to be strong up front and rush with four. And, and that's what Carol yeah. and, uh, and, and Norton Jr. trusted them to do. And my God, let me just go right back to like Rasheem Green, former USC Trojan, by the way, uh, you know, just, I mean, they, they redefined his position a little bit more. They got him more in that Leo kind of thing. You know, at first he came in, you know, when he was, you know, out of USC and they thought he was going to be the next Michael Bennett and they tried him sort of a defensive tackle, defensive end kind of thing. They had him doing that maybe a little bit in this game, but really, I mean, he was making all those plays out on the edge and he's a super athletic kid. I mean, if you ever see him, I've gone to a few, uh, you know, Seahawk practices, uh, during preseason, uh, mini camp stuff and seeing him walking on the field with other defensive linemen. I mean, he looks like a Greek God. <laughs> he's a big guy. He's guys a that look big... like Greek gods. I mean, he <laughs> is like, he is like big, but he is like cut like a freaking diamond i mean he is like he, he is like six foot four 280 pounds and maybe like one percent body fat like he yeah. is just ridiculous physical yeah. specimen and if if they have him playing like that at leo with you know with daryl taylor who's kind with, of like, who, that, who, who, like, some amazing laugh, like that it's just like yeah. my god those are videos <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and Daryl Taylor is fast too. Yeah. I, I, uh, speaking of Daryl Taylor, I, I can't wait to get him in the home game when he can kind of get a jump on those, uh, on the snap. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really taken with, uh, the thing I like most about how this defense came together was, um, they eliminated the big plays. They kept everything yeah. in front of them. And mm-hmm. even they were doing that thing that Pete Carroll likes to do, which is if you're going to score a touchdown, you're going to earn it. It's going to take you, you know, 12 plays in nine minutes to get it you're just going to have to dink and dunk your way down the field because eventually you're going to start making mistakes uh and uh and uh, you know i i think that's um exactly what they they started to do i think ken norton early on figured out that uh uh colt's offense super fast and they just had the keys to that backfield um, I'm really, I, I was hopeful about the defense going into this game and I'm, uh, I'm really excited that Colts offense is, is good. It, yeah. That offensive yeah. line is good. That Colts team is not as bad as, as the Seahawks made them look. Yeah. Their yeah. defense is really good too. And that's a real testament to how the offensive played because they were Agreed. one of the time. I think they were a top five defense last year and I don't think yeah. they changed much personnel. 
know, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited to see the other new wrinkles that Waldron is going to uh, add to this offense. And, and the cool thing is, is like, these are all like basic conceits that we've seen Russell Wilson do uh, for the last 10 years. Uh, it's just all coming together in new and creative ways. Uh, and I kind of like that. I want to move on away from the Seahawks just a little bit. And uh, uh, Millie, what were some surprising things uh, from the rest of the NFL in week one that you saw? Oh, man, I was actually just sort of going through that in my mind. And of course, you know, one of my favorite surprises was the upset of Tampa Bay. That was a that was a great way to start the year. You mean Green Bay? That too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, because Tampa Bay won. That's why I was confused. Wait, what? Tampa Bay beat Dallas. That's right. I kind of blocked that out. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I didn't play that well. on you. <laughs> Green Bay. We'll but yes, Green, Green Bay, Bay did was, get their butt kicked. And, <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers looked. <laughs> Absolutely Awful. terrible out there. He out. was horrible. Aaron Rodgers looked like he was on vacation all offseason and didn't I look at that playbook. Just about everybody, especially that are Seahawks fans, we really enjoyed what felt like a bit of a comeuppance um, for what we all watched happen over the offseason and all of the flack that we got for Russell, who I think, you know, knows that, man, that was rough. We're not going to talk about it. In fact, we're just going to talk about how stupid Green Bay looked. <laughs> because you know for all of that you know and here he comes on with this attitude and he gets out there and that offense just looked horrible and it felt like watching a team that didn't want to play for their quarterback to some extent and and you a know? quarterback who didn't want to play I, I mean there At were all. shots of him on the <laughs> sideline you know after he threw a dumb interception and instead of being in the playbook and looking at, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the video of, of what the last play was, he's just kind of like pouting on the bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you see Russell Wilson throw an interception and uh, immediately he's collecting his team and he's looking at the tablet and he's seeing what's going next. I, 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 I can't stand Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I just and did it, Jack. It was really nice just seeing him be the worst quarterback in the league. And he was playing against Jameis Winston. So, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. And Winston played great. You know, he played. He did. He played. He was. Uh, he, played. he played great. Yeah. Can I just, I just want to simply add this has been my observation with Rod. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Rodgers fan. And, I mean, well, I would... by the way, uh, I, I, I just felt a great disturbance in the Green Bay Twitter verse and, uh, and uh, <laughs> millions of souls crying out in pain. I think we're oh, going to get some hate if this gets out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just, I just want to say real quickly, a few years back, uh, you know, when when Cam Newton had that awful performance in the Super Bowl and kind of uh pooped himself with the fumble and yeah and he gave up extremely defensive after the game and it carried over and you know and and he has kind of a he's he's had a penchant for poutiness on the sidelines and he's been called out for that you know by a lot of fans a lot of media and has the worst body language Mm -hmm. facial expression (laughs) he he really does and these guys in the media that, you know, want to plug this guy because the league's probably telling them you got to plug Rogers, you know, they don't call him out. He's yeah. a punk. I'm yeah. Man, I'm, That's I what just, we're here for. I, I, we're, we're, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely Rogers out the way he should be called out. It's absolutely right. It's an, an absolute racist double standard. A hundred percent racist double standard. And, and I, we, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but God, right. that just but we should put the name to it because if we just say, "Well, I wonder what the difference is," yeah, it totally that's being yes. a little too coy. Mm-hmm. And like, what it is is you've got two people who behave the same way. One is treated like shit, and one won the MVP last year. Mm-hmm. Like, and the white yeah. guy won the MVP last year. There well, the black guy won the MVP a few years in twenty fifteen. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. But that was before, like. That was when he was still fresh, you know, sure. like, yeah. So 
yeah, and he hasn't played well in the last few years, so it's not like a right. You know, I do just want to give you, I want to give you one more um, highlight to me though of of what I saw in Week One, and that is uh, Kyler Murray, who just (laughs) looks fantastic, which gives I think all of us just a a tiny bit of fear. Uh, But it's just Week One, and it's just Game One, so hopefully that's going to he he was looking a little vintage Russell Wilson to me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a. <laughs> I was skeptical about a lot of the teams in the NFC West. I, I know, I knew they were going to be good, but the the media was talking it up. It's Rams with you know uh, Matt Stafford and the 49ers that you know they're healthy again. We got the two headed dragon and ooh the Cardinals. You know this might be Kyler Murray's MVP year, and it's like ah oh, okay, well, now. Matt Stafford looks pretty good for the Rams. Yeah. The 49ers, their defense didn't look great. I mean, they collapsed late against uh, a bad Lions team, but Garoppolo looked good. And, you know, when they brought in Trey Lance, like two, three times, whatever it was, one of them was a touchdown. Uh, Right. And the Cardinals, uh, Chandler Jones. (laughs) Yes. It's scary. And I don't look forward to seeing him against uh the seahawks offensive line and and kyler murray looked really good he looked good was it the the nfc west is is white go ahead yeah what's up was it five sacks that he got for chandler jones alone five sacks yeah it's terrifying it's it's terrifying yeah it's absolutely i did not notice that's unbelievable yeah yeah i i think this is you know if you were to do a power rankings and you put the NFC West numbers one through four in whatever order, I, I don't think that's like out of, you know, the realm of reality. I mean, we might be looking the, at the four best teams in the NFL. The ringer has the Seahawks at three, the Rams at four, the Niners at six and the Cardinals at 11. So, like, right. we're effectively four of the top 11 teams in the NFL are in the NFC yeah. West. And I also yeah. want to call out that the AFC West is currently undefeated. All yeah. the Western teams are undefeated right now. Yeah, yeah. Eight of the teams in the West all won their games. Yeah. Yeah. And we West won. is the best. Yeah. West is the best. <laughs> uh, that was my biggest surprise. The other surprise that I wanted to, to kind of call out was the Manning podcast or the Manning broadcast last night it was a weird kind of bananas it was like watching us watching a game and talking about the game as it went along but perhaps you know one of us is Peyton Manning and a um, football savant Um, but it was like at the start it was garbage because it was like here's my comedy skit because I'm Peyton Manning and I was on this a couple of times yeah but then toward the end they, they started bringing on guests and I heard that ESPN was like, hey, focus on the game a little bit more and don't do these skits um, to, <laughs> to the Manning bros. And it sounds like that worked because they brought on Charles Barkley. They brought on like a golfer, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but then they brought on Russ, who came on like halfway through the fourth quarter and just hung out for the rest of the game, watching the game with them. And the Manning bros were both like, well, it's good to have you with Russ. He's like, yeah, I love being here. I'm going to stay for a while. And he just like overstayed his welcome. But <laughs> like watching the end of the game with the Raiders playing like garbage and still winning while Russ is like, you don't want to do that, man. It was it was wonderful television by the end. So I, I'm in favor of that type of experimentation. I hope more broadcasts try things like that. Um, and that maybe we could see some variety and not just the Manning brothers, but I thought it was actually a pretty big success. And barring a Seahawks game being on Monday night football, I'll probably watch that over the Mike Tirico or whatever, whoever it is on the other broadcast. Yeah. Well, and 800,000 people tuned into it, which, you know, for yeah. ESPN two broadcast, uh, those are, those are good numbers. Yeah. I, uh, I tuned in, I tuned in a couple of times and I did watch, from the final two minutes to the end of the game with uh, with that broadcast. And it was a lot of fun. And Russell was sort of, yeah, delightful. They, they kept inviting him to leave if he'd like. And at one <laughs> point, he was like, well, you know, Sierra, she's at the Met Gala, and I was just going to watch film. So I may as well stay here. 
Yeah. You know, I think, I think Russell, you know, is, in real life is actually one of those guys and you're trying to like kick out of the room and he's not reading the cues. You know, yeah. no, I'm good. I, I like being here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Uh, moving on to next week. So we got the Seahawks home opener first, first home opener, uh, you know, with, with fans since uh, the, the pandemic. We're, we're inviting the Tennessee Titans who got their absolute butts kicked by the Cardinals last week. Curtis, what do you think are the keys to the Seahawks winning uh, this game? Well, I think they need to continue to be aggressive and creative on offense. Uh, getting up front early will help. And building on that defensively, they need to, I think they're going to have to key on Derek Henry. Uh, he only got 17 mm-hmm. carries against the Cardinals. I don't think that's going to sit right with what, you know, the head coach over there is going to want to do with him. He might sort of get 10 more. They, they're probably going to try and get him at least, you know, 20 to 25 carries in the game. And, you know, they're going to have to, you know, Brian Monet, who played great. He played great. <laughs> oh, he was a, he was another one that really surprised me for the Seahawks. But yeah, I mean, yeah. those big fellows up front gotta slow down the the run game, um, which they did pretty well last week. Brooks and you know and 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 Bobby and Jamal got to tackle well. Diggs got to tackle well. Those corners got to tackle well. I think um, yeah, you uh, you want to get. Tennessee uh, having to win a game with their quarterback. Uh, Tannehill's a decent quarterback, but that's that's how that's how you want to get them going. So we get that pass rush going again, you yeah. know. Because if my God, if, if Chandler Jones, if one guy got five sacks against that team, they got to come in here with you know a house full of twelves that haven't seen. <laughs> live yeah. football in yeah. like well over a year they're going to be jacked you know the, if that gets that early lead and they get Tannehill having to throw on third down third and long then I think um that's a great spot for Seattle to you know pull out another W yeah Alana do you think the Tennessee Titans are as bad as we saw last week I think the Tennessee Titans came into the game with Julio Jones and Brown and Derrick Henry and Richard Tannehill up against the Cardinals and thought, we don't have to try very hard. Um, I don't think that they took the Cardinals seriously. uh, And I think that that's what ended up costing them. I think we're going to see a more fired up Titans team next week. uh, And I think that the result will be a little bit different. Uh, I don't think that Tennessee is on the same level as the Seahawks, uh, but I think they're good. And I think that they're a dangerous team. They're a wounded animal a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of pride that they got, I think, uh, wounded in this last game. Um, but I don't think that their offensive line is – I mean, I think we can show up their offensive line. I think the biggest thing I'm afraid of is that tandem of Brown and Jones um, with Henry just pounding the ball down us. I think we can handle it. Um, I think that it might be a shootout. And I like our chances in a shootout. I also like our chances in a close game. So overall, I like our chances. But I think it'll be a tough game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like our chances too. I, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, fired up <laughs> Seattle fan base who hasn't seen uh, live action. Oh, in, for sure. You know, nineteen, twenty months or however long it's been uh, is going to be the X factor here. Millie, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be a close game? I do think this is going to be a close game. I don't think that Tennessee's secondary is going to be a great matchup against our receivers, but um, I think that with their running game, they can really poke some holes in what we've got on the defense. Um, But in the end, I think we're going to, I think we're going to win, but it's going to be close. I mean, I'm going to call this one at 21, 20, for the Seahawks. All right. Well, let's dive into predictions then. So we got Millie here on uh, on on camera on recording. She's saying 21-20 Seahawks. Is that right? He scores the touchdowns, Millie. Oh, Tyler Lockett. He scores all the touchdowns. All three of them. <laughs> all three. It's a it's a deep bomb Tyler Lockett. It's a it's a it's an uh, red zone Tyler Lockett, and then Tyler Lockett on jet sweep. 
That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? If we can get one to Disley, I'd be all right with that too. There you go. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. One of those where he like has to wrestle it from uh, yeah. from the linebacker's arms. Maybe he can just do a stiff arm where he's got like the ball in his belly and just stiff arm two just people like, at once. Yeah, he's yeah. like, no. <laughs> yes, I have definitely gotten on the uh, Will Disley is delightful train as I'm seeing more and more sideline footage of the guy. He's just fun. I, yeah. you know, uh, the Seahawks with uh, with some tight end packages is really fun. <laughs> oh uh, Curtis, well, what's your prediction here? What's the final score? Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more higher scoring uh, for both clubs uh, from last week. I think I think Seattle wins by a touchdown, thirty-four twenty-seven. Wow. Okay, I think, think there's going to be a little bit of shootout, but I think they're going to get ahead, uh, and um, Tennessee is going to have to play catch up most of the game, all the game. Does this do? Does this? Uh, is it going to be a classic Seahawks win where it comes down to final possession? Or I, I think that I sort of think it's going to be classic Seahawks of late, where there is a somewhat of a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter, but. Um, Tannehill's an athletic quarterback who can make plays with his legs and his arm. I think that I think I think I could see Tennessee getting a couple a couple quick scores with eight minutes left to go that bring them within a touchdown. But Seattle's late, able to late. play keep away, and yeah, and they'll 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 grind clock they'll. You know, maybe, I mean, maybe they'll, you know, they'll get it within four and then Seattle kick a field goal and, you know, just make it a seven point game and there won't be enough time left. Last play of the game will be Rasheem Green dropping Tannehill for a 15 yard sack fumble. Puna Ford picks it up. Big man touchdown. And then bobbles the ball out of bounds or something. Like that. That's the end of the game. Yeah. Alana, what say you? What's the what's the what's the final score? So I am inclined to go higher score, but it's going to rain on Sunday, um, and I think Ooh. that that's going to have an impact on the game, especially when you look at Tennessee and how they want to run the ball. Um, and I mean, I think our offenses are fairly similar, where we want to run the ball, we want to do some short passing, and we want to have and take um, our deep shots. Take our deep shots. So yeah. I think that you know the rain is going to impact us in the same way. So it doesn't, that doesn't change the outcome. Um, and, you know, our, the, the Seahawks are not like a team that is built. Well, we don't drop the ball much. Our receivers don't drop them all much. Yeah. Um, Rocket is one of the best, you know, hands guys in the league. Uh, so is Julio Jones. So I think what that does to me is it just takes the score from being like a 38 to 31 and it takes it down to 24 to 17. And that's what I'm calling uh-huh. Seahawks 24, uh, Titans 17. I think Disley does get in the end zone. I think Carson runs for one. And I think uh, Lockett gets the other one. Or if it's not Lockett, it's going to be a Russell sneak um, or the uh, designed run. Um, and then a cu- couple of field goals from, or a single field goal from our boy, Jason Myers. Um, and uh they won't know how to deal with Michael Dixon and his punting game. <laughs> so that's I, where I'm uh, at. That's close to where I, I think it's going to be. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, a defensive slobber knocker, but I, I, I predict a, a 21, 17, uh, a score. And like last week's game, I think that score, the Seahawks do this a lot where the score doesn't really reflect the how close the game was like you know the Seahawks will typically take command of a game and uh, let them in let them score a little bit in sort of like garbage time mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think it's going to be closer to that 21 17 is what I'm saying okay moving on we got other Seattle sports to talk about here because we got the Seattle Mariners for the first time in 20 years legitimately actually realistically fighting for a spot in the playoffs 
with meaningful games in September. Millie, what's your take here? Who are these Mariners? Are they going to the are are they going into the playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years? You know, I will tell you real time right now, Mariners are now up 2-1 on the Red Sox. Okay. Um, Which will put them in if they win today, it puts them within a game of the wild card, I think. Yeah, so it's it's really tight right now because you got the Yankees and the the uh the blue, blue, blue Jays. Right, Blue Jays. Yep, I think that's right. Yeah, um, and then uh, yeah, and then we're right behind the Red Sox, and so since we're actually playing them, it always gets super weird with the numbers. But yeah, we uh, we we keep winning against the Red Sox, and we can get there. We it's can sneak come in. down to the Yankees losing, which and they have been of. great uh, in the past couple of weeks. Um, One today. Yeah. So it's. You know, it's going to come down to the wire. I, I've got him in the wild card. Uh, I, I want to see it happen. I'm going to just manifest that into the universe <laughs> to happen. Um, I think we're ready. I think this city's ready to see it. This city is ready to see it. Alana, you're going to the game tomorrow. Yeah. That's right. All right. Uh, what, what say you? What's your take here? You know, it is. This wild card race is fascinating. I'm not like baseball isn't my sport. Um, I, I always root for the Mariners, but very passively and I follow what they're doing. This is the first year in a while that I've been at all interested, um, or like it, it, intentionally interested, I think is a better word. Yeah. The, the last game I went to, um, was when Ichiro tied the hit record in a season. Um, oh, wow. and so it's been a while, uh, and that was such an exciting game to see that, um, you know, uh, the fact that they're 12 games above 500 is amazing. The uh, fact that, it feels great. Yeah. The fact that they're second in the AL West is amazing. The fact also that they amazing, win yeah. eight and 11 against the Astros after a couple of years where they went like three and 16 or whatever. Yeah. Also amazing. I want them so badly to make it this year. Yeah. But Toronto is playing out of their ma- minds. I know. The Yankees can probably turn it on at any time and the red sox are the red sox and like everybody wants them to win for some dumb reason because that they like the yankees are a stupid team with stupid fans like my sister um we're really going after it. we got the we're getting the green Bay look, fans on us <laughs> now we're gonna get the red sox and new york fans against us i'd say like l- listen go big or go home right I, in sports you gotta be the heel Right. And That's right. the Red Sox games at Mariner Stadium have been notoriously awful because Red Sox, Red Sox fans show up and act like they own the place. And yeah, and like where did they come fans. from, by the way? Right, exactly. Why are Fuck you them. taking over my city? Yeah. So I, as much as I want the Mariners to make it this year, I think they're going to fall just short. I think they're going to fall a game out, and I think that's going to be such – amazing fuel for them next year i do not see a world where they don't make it into the playoffs next year this has been such an amazing experience for this young team that i think it's going to propel them to success next year but i just don't i don't know that they'll make it i want it but i don't know yeah curtis you've been watching seattle sports for uh uh half a century (laughs) what (laughs) what What do you what do you think about these Seattle Mariners? Are uh, are are you excited? Um, uh, do you think they're going into the playoffs, or is it is next year their year? I'm very excited. They're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to the playoffs next year. All right. Uh, are got, they going into this wild card next they year? Are we... is legit. I they they got yeah. a lot. They, there's 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 three really solid solid clubs in the AL West or the AL East. Uh, or if you can with be Tampa there. too. What's that? Tampa. Four with Tampa, Tampa too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even thinking about Tampa because Tampa's so far ahead. It's just, I, you know, Hey, if they can, if they, if they win tonight and they win tomorrow and they've swept the Red Sox, then uh, that might be on my radar, but um, they just got, beat by the diamondbacks 
Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, they're, they're young, they're learning. They've got, they've got a great young core. Yeah. That's and if I'm anything, this year and, is giving them the experience that they exactly. Need. And let yeah. them feel what it's like to almost do it, but not quite. And then next year, just kill, just mm-hmm. go out and yeah. kill and slay. Win that and take down those Astros. Yeah. Right now, just, just, yeah, just be fearless. Would feel, be a fearless would feel club, so good. you know? Yeah. Before we close this thing out, uh, this is Dorks on Screen. Millie has something. Did I, oh, did go, I go ahead. get your projection on that? Did you say next year, nothing this year? For, uh, uh, for, for the Mariners, are we going to the wild card or uh, are we getting the wild card or not? Um, I, ooh. My emotion, my soul <clears throat> wants it to happen. My soul says yes, but the mind says no. Like the, 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 the heart says we can do it, but the stats to me uh, just don't bear it out. So if I were a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I would bet uh, uh, that they're not going to the wild card, but my heart, we're, we're going. So when they go to the wild card, you can say, hey, you, you did it. You, you predicted it. And when they don't, you could be like, Daniel, your, your brain is really smart. You, uh, you said they weren't going and uh, they're not going. So, um, so for the dork board, I'm just going to write heart and brain disagree. Yeah, and I think that's for all three of us, frankly. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. And, and any good. Seattle Mariner fan uh, yeah. who hasn't been completely disillusioned at this point. Uh, okay, before we close this thing out, this podcast is called Dorks on Sports, but that doesn't mean we're dorks about other things. I want to say the, the thing I, I want to dork out on this week is I'm a big Marvel fan. I love all the Marvel movies. I saw Shang-Chi and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, you know, a lot of these Marvel movies were starting to get very formulaic. And while Shang-Chi still is fitting in that, in sort of like the, how the Marvel movie formula goes, especially with uh, these origin stories and everything, the new elements they added into it with sort of mythology and magic and dragons and all of this kind of cool stuff. I was absolutely completely charmed. Uh, I thought um, all of the actors did such a fantastic job. Michelle Yeoh, who, uh, you know, did Crouching Tiger Sleeping Dragon 20 years ago, uh, looked like she could do Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon today as like a 50-year-old woman. Uh, I, I, was, I was completely charmed. I thought it was a great movie. Did it, has anybody else seen it? I haven't seen Did it you? yet. I haven't seen it. I, 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 I chose to see Free Guy instead. Uh, free i i really loved free guy as well i thought uh, another really charming movie uh that was a lot better than um i i think i thought uh it was going to be going in um yeah super super fun movie ryan it was it, it was as if ryan reynolds actually wrote that screenplay i you know i don't know what kind of thing he has in his contract but it felt to me like he was writing rewriting the script as it was shooting uh yeah super fun uh, uh millie what, what what is it what are you dorking out on this week um, well, as promised, uh, finished season one of, of Ted Lasso. Of Ted Lasso. Welcome so, to the um, Ted Lasso universe. Yeah. Where so everything is good and do, wholesome. All I want to do is, you know, respond to people with believe memes and, and uh, say football is life. <laughs> and uh, so I'm. I'm <laughs> That means so you're not you're not caught up all the way into season two yet. Is that right? No, no, no. We just finished season one, so he's here, okay. he's there, he's everywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just the the warm fuzziness of that, and and um, you know, I I just I'm dorking out over it because one, it's great because it's also a sports story, right? And we all love our sports clearly because we're dorks on sports. Um, but just the, the sincerity and the idea of a narrative that doesn't rely on everybody constantly backstabbing each other mm-hmm. and 
and wrecking personal relationships for all the wrong reasons. And there's some of that, but there's an immediate consequence and immediate thought. And there are people who apologize Mm-hmm. There are people who accept apologies and figure out how to move on. Like yeah, and those conflicts actually I don't see in adult entertainment anymore that shows right. adults acting like adults who yeah. are empathetic, you know, good human beings. And it just makes right. me happy. Even when they're making the wrong choices, uh, they're making the wrong choices for the right reasons. I mean, at least you can understand why they're making these wrong choices, that they're good people and they're making these choices because of trauma or whatever it is going on that needs to be worked out. Uh, and I, I, we've, we've talked about this before, uh, but, uh, you know, Ted Lasso feels like uh, Pete Carroll to me. A lot. There's, yeah, I think there's 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 draws for sure. Until, yeah, um, in terms of the culture building and uh, and absolutely, like yeah. That. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Curtis, what are what are, what are, what are you geeking out on? What are you uh, on this week? God, you know, I love Ted Lasso so much. I, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something else, but I'm just gonna say that the uh, the empathetic style of writing on that show is. <clears throat> absolutely what I feel I feel we all need to see that yeah you know uh whatever side of whatever fence you're on you just just sitting down and watching other characters perspectives you know and 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 and, and, you know not everything's fuzzy on the show you know there's there is you know there is self-preservation there's people and disappointment yeah and disappointment and stuff but just 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 the empathetic quality of writing of seeing a character's perspective of what they're going through you know a glimpse of their life that makes them decide to act in that sort of way i just think is is just fantastic storytelling and a show that's ridiculously funny yeah. yeah, it's and, a new it's just... trend in comedy that I've seen. Uh, that's it seems like it's getting a little popular, and I think it's like exactly what we need at this time in this weird, divided, political, tumultuous like world that feels heavy, right? Um, we we saw it with Shit's Creek. We saw it with The Good Place. We're seeing it with Ted Lasso right now. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that all three TV shows are being heralded as some of the best TV shows of all time. I think it's something that we are yearning for right now as a culture uh, coming from, you know, that sort of um, anti-hero, uh, you know, cynical thing that came up out of the 1990s and never really went away and uh, and it feels like I don't know. We might be going into a new era that we I don't know. I think is all very refreshing for everybody uh, watching. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to add the thing that I'm really geeking out about. Yeah. Is yes. uh, taking it back to the MCU. I'm just gonna say, episode five of What If. <laughs> what, what if What if there was a zombie apocalypse? Oh my god! Super fun. I. Freaking! I was, I was, I was equally laughing my ass off, and I was, I was quite terrified. Of the By whole the way, scenario. I, just say, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this all the way through. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't, you know, watched the the what if episodes. But Hank Pym now is like <laughs> author of two universes, you know, that are losing all of their superheroes. So yeah, I, yeah. I keep an eye on that guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying, you know, we yeah. thought Thanos was the big bad, but it might yeah. quietly be uh, Hank Pym. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alana, what what are what are you dorking out on? So I want to um I'll, I'll, a lot, uh, but I wanted to call out the Hawkeye trailer because that the tone of that I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. it just was like, oh, I guess this is Die Hard with more comedy like yeah I, it was so surprising to me to see that and i'm and it made me interested because he is by far my least favorite of the avengers because i think jeremy renner is a piece of trash um i'm i'm happy to have Haley stanfeld in i'll watch it excited to watch it um lula rich if you want i mean like in my house two things will make us watch anything one is cults and the other is multi-level marketing and let me tell you, this is a cult 
that is multi-level marketing <laughs> with buttery soft leggings. And it is, it's pretty impressive. Um, Can I just say also, you know, as, as, as for uh, theater artists here in Seattle, how, how do I get the rights to Steve Rogers, the musical? Oh, I know. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to put this I can't thing wait to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to call out as a theater person is um, come from away on Apple TV. We watched it. I watched it with my family. Uh, we all like, I wept through like the entire thing because it was like in May, we brought back people to live theater for the first time in 14 months. And you see all these masked patrons come in and then they start to tell the story about, sept about these planes landing in a remote part of Newfoundland on September 11th after the towers went down and they released the thing on September 10th. So we're like reliving the story about human kindness around the worst tragedy of our early earlier lives while we're starting to kind of be restored from the biggest actual tragedy of our lives Oof. and we're getting to see all of this wrapped up in this just cozy quaint cute adorable little story about human kindness like it was it was a lot for me and there were so many moments where my daughter Svea was just like yeah like watching theater and as a theater person married to a theater person as the child of a theater person like knowing that that tradition is carrying forward is it's just super meaningful to me and like she's watching it and she's like oh this is like hamilton because it's it's a story about something that actually happened in a musical format and it's like you just like that's cool. when where is it streaming apple tv apple so tv all have it all right apple tv doing just like really really good stuff this year yeah good for apple tv what about all you right. daniel what are you dorking what about? uh i i oh, shang chi was mine that, that's that's my big thing yeah that's right yeah. sorry about that, that was that was my thing i think the mcu is putting out some really fun stuff this year um uh that i've been dorking out on all right i i think this thing is wrapped up i'm finished dorking out about some stuff how about you folks you finished dorking out on some stuff I'm all dorked out. All right. I'm all dorked <laughs> out too. Okay. This is Dorks on Sports. You can find us uh, uh, every Wednesday. We'll be breaking down uh, the Seahawks and other Seattle sports. Thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. My name is Daniel for Alana, Curtis, Millie, the rest of the 12s out here in Seattle saying goodbye. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.